Friday edition of PFTPM. Miles Simmons, Mike Florio here with you over the course of the next hour on Peacock and Sirius XM 85. Another Friday closer to something. I don't know. That's kind of worn out. We need a new bit for Friday. Although it's it's accurate, we just need a new bit. I'm taking applications from anyone who would want to give us an idea that we could steal. Miles. Hello, Mike. Yeah, we're, we're another Friday closer to the resurrection. I mean, some people were dead today. One person then, you know, came back a couple days. Tomb's empty, man. You're, uh, you're the I guy you're looking for. You ain't here. Yeah. I, ah. I, I, guess, I guess I should have said another good Friday closer to death. I hadn't thought of that. And I'm a lifelong Catholic. It just all starts to blur together for me. The thing I don't like about the Easter season is it's never the same day. So I never quite remember when it's approaching. Why can't it just be like the second Sunday in April? Can we have some sort of theological conference to have a specific day? Or why can't it be like a day? Why does it have to be Sunday? I guess it's Sunday for, you know. Good Friday and then. Specific reasons. Yeah, you really couldn't have it floating like that. But it still should be a set Sunday. So I'll at least remember when it is. That's right. The first Sunday in April. That's our recommendation. Hey, Catholic yeah, I Church. Know. I think that's now, good. Frankly, to, if I was going to be submitting recommendations to the Catholic Church, that one would fall fairly far down the list of the recommendations I, I would the make. Catholic Church should do. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I got twelve years of it. I was an older boy, and don't get me started on not, not that I, I, I don't, I don't even want to abandon ship. Okay, you let's wanna, reel you it wanna... back in. Yeah. All right. It's PFTPM. It's Friday, good, bad, or otherwise. It's just average Friday, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, we got some stuff going on in the NFL. How's the? I, I guess it's not a heat wave out there today, based on no. your attire. Yeah, no, it's bad. We're back to normal. It's great. It's like 65 degrees. It's sunny. You know, I don't, I don't feel too hot here in my apartment. It's, it's great, Mike. I appreciate you. I've asking. got my. I've, I've, and you know that I, I really am concerned about whether or not you're hot or cold. <laughs> I, 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 I care about your comfort. My air conditioner is on, and it's really nice because it's been warm here, unseasonably warm. I don't know what's seasonable or not in mid-April, but it's been warm. (laughs) Regardless of whether or not it's supposed to be warm, it has been warm. All right, let's get to it. Nobody wants to hear us talk about the weather. Um, First item, and this is another strange and troubling story in an offseason full of them for the National Football League. Cowboys defensive back Kelvin Joseph, a passenger in a vehicle that was involved in a drive-by shooting that killed a man named Cameron Ray. Joseph claims he was unarmed, that he was simply in the car from which the shots were fired. Even if that is the extent of it, that's not good. The Cowboys, after having no comment on Thursday night, issued a statement today. The Dallas Cowboys are aware of the tragic incident that occurred in Dallas on March 18. First and foremost, our hearts go out to Mr. Ray's Family and loved ones, the organization is aware of Calvin Joseph's possible connection to this incident. We are in contact with Dallas law enforcement and have alerted the NFL office. We have no further comment at this time. And there are different laws that apply that would potentially create responsibility, even if there wasn't a pulling of the trigger by Calvin Joseph. You got accessory before the fact, accessory after the fact. What were they doing when the drive-by shooting occurred? You could have the felony murder rule that is implicated where if you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when somebody gets killed you're as responsible as the person who kills them like if you're at a bank robbery and somebody else shoots the teller you're responsible for the death of that person so this is something that's going to be i suspect 
complicated, convoluted, but not good for the Dallas Cowboys and clearly not good for Kelvin Joseph. Even if he didn't pull the trigger, this is a problem for him and for the team, and it's another issue for the NFL to deal with. Not that I don't want to trivialize it because obviously someone lost their life here, but to have an NFL player connected to it is not the kind of thing the NFL wants to be connected to in any way, shape, or form. Oh, certainly not. And yeah, I think that, you know, when you say you don't want to trivialize it because somebody lost their life, that's exactly the first thing you think of. You know, your, your heart goes out, my heart goes out certainly to, to the Ray family and all of those who loved him and whatever, you know, happened in this tragic incident that somebody lost their life. And that is one of the most important things here. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, I mean, this has been one of these off seasons where it's kind of one thing after another for the NFL in terms of bad stories that have happened off the field. And this is another one. And so, you know, now we're not just talking about uh, his potential career going forward with the Cowboys, but really whether or not that there is something that could land him in prison for multiple years. So this is one of those serious issues that obviously is going to be monitored and we're going to keep monitoring it. But yeah, it's, it's just a very, very unfortunate situation all around. Uh, And we will continue to keep track of what happens with this situation and uh, just not good for the NFL. And it, it reminds me of other times where there's been a rash of off-field issues, and that's when the commissioner decides to ramp things up, whether it's in 2007 when the personal conduct policy was beefed up in 2014 in the aftermath of Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson and Greg Hardy's situations. That's when paid leave became something that was utilized more fervently by the NFL. I just feel like that there's been enough happening as it relates to players and non-players that the NFL needs yeah. to do something to send a message to everyone about the behavior in which they engage away from the field. Because, again, even if Calvin Joseph has no criminal responsibility for what happened, the idea that an NFL player was in a car from which shots were fired and killed someone is not good for the NFL. It's not good. It's not what they are looking to associate themselves with by way of national news stories. But that's where we are. All right. Uh, to the football field, or at least preparations for the games that will be played on the football field starting in September. The 2019 Defensive Player of the Year has a new team, and it's not the Rams. I thought the Rams would get Stephon Gilmore. They were linked to him, and you know how the Rams do it. They just kind of lurk, and they wait, and they wait, and they lurk, and then all of a sudden, big-name player gets snatched by the F-them picks, F-that-cap L.A. Rams. Instead, Stephon Gilmore goes to the Indianapolis Colts. An interesting decision by a Colts team that is kind of making its move. You know, it's kind of on the periphery of contention. It's got the Titans to contend with. Could be better than the Titans this year. Could be good enough to get a wild card berth in the top-heavy AFC. But this doesn't make him any worse on defense. I don't know what Stephon Gilmore has left in the tank 10 years after he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. But they could do a lot worse than Stephon Gilmore in Indy. I agree, Mike. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how we should really get, like, hyped up over something like this, especially because, look, Gilmore's not really played very much in the last couple of years. I mean, he was still dealing with the after effects of that quad injury. Well, perhaps, perhaps not. But through the, the first half of that season, right? He didn't get on the field until he was with the Carolina Panthers. They only started three games. He played about half the season, but then somehow was also a Pro Bowler. So the Pro Bowl is a bit of a joke, at least in that particular case. Um, but I think it's also interesting that he's going to a scheme 
with Gus Bradley that's pretty different than what he was playing when he was in New England. I mean, we talk about Gus Bradley, we know the cover three, and like he's come up with a lot of variations of that, but that's basically what that defense is going to be based off of. So I think it's interesting as a fit. I also think it's interesting for the Colts just to go out and make a free agency move like this. It's not something that they've always done with Chris Ballard as their GM. So they've made some moves. I think they're an interesting team going into this year. I don't know that they're really in the top echelon of the AFC, but I do kind of think it's a toss up right now between the Colts and the Titans for who I would have as the favorite in the AFC South. We got a little more news on the Colts coming up in a minute as we talk about some quarterback machinations as the 2022 draft approaches. Had to stop and think of what year it is. Is it 21? Is it 22? Is it 23? Split the difference. Are we engaged it is today, Mike? <laughs> I'm fully engaged. I'm fully Friday. engaged. Um, I just, well, I just happen to forget I, I, what year it is. Know, I said Once we, you have I, 50. I, usually when I say we, I don't mean, I mean like we isn't you, but I meant like we isn't both of us. Like this is, this is a weird like little Friday thing that we got going on today. I'm like, I'm sort of in the clouds. I don't know. I just forgot what, you don't year, know it what year it is. Lay off me. I'm starving. Lay, okay. off, lay off me. I'm starving. I have I, no yeah, idea I, what you're referencing there either. Oh, come on. I sent the gift the other day. What is that? You don't know don't the know Chris Farley skit, the gap when it was him and David Spade and Adam Sandler as the women who worked at the gap and Chris Farley. Get, never mind. Go look it up on YouTube. I'll send you the link nah. and you'll never watch it. Just like you'll never watch Back <laughs> to the Future. You'll never watch any of the great movies of the 1980s. That's fine. All right. The Washington Commanders, who were a great team back in the 1980s, but not not recently. It's been a long time since they've been any good. They had a private draft workout with Nevada quarterback Carson Strong. And obviously Carson Wentz, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to corner the market on quarterbacks named Carson. That would be as good of a strategy as they've had from a personnel standpoint in the past 25 years. But they they need to be thinking about developing someone in the event that Carson Wentz doesn't get it done. Hey, if Carson Wentz gets it done, you got a quarterback for 10 more years. But let's be realistic. There's been nothing that's happened recently that's caused anyone to say Carson Wentz is ready to sail into the next decade as an NFL starting quarterback. So you have to be dotting your I's, crossing your T's, thinking about your options, and looking for guys you can develop. I think it's smart for them to cast a wide net. Anytime one of these workouts, private workout, because that's different than the visit to the facility. This is you go to him, you work him out on his turf. That shows a greater level of interest. And I always Mm -hmm. wonder how that gets out. Who's putting that out there? Does the team want it to be out there? Is somebody else leaking it for whatever purpose? I really am curious as to whether or not Washington wants us to know they're doing it. Are they trying to set up some sort of a diversion, a smokescreen, whatever? But regardless, they did it. They put the time into it. So clearly there's some level of interest in Carson Strong. There may not be now. Maybe the workout was horrible, but there was enough to do a workout. (laughs) Maybe the workout was horrible. Yeah, you never know, I guess. Um, I I understand, though, the interest in, like, exploring all of the quarterback options that are still available to you because if you're Washington, yes, you went out and you got Carson Wentz, but can you really depend on that guy? I mean, we talked about this when the trade happened, right? If he couldn't get it right with the Colts and Frank Reich, who was somebody who knew him, who worked with him, who helped him become that MVP candidate back in 2017, which was, you know, eons ago in NFL years, then why do we really have confidence that he's going to be able to make it work with Washington? 
I don't, frankly. So I think it's smart for Washington to still go out there, explore what the quarterbacks look like. Because if they get into a situation where they can, where they can draft Carson Strong and they feel very good about what he can turn into, then I would do it. Because, yeah, if Carson Wentz works out, he's your quarterback for the next 10 years, I guess. But I'm not very confident that he's going to work out there. I'm just not. So, you know, I think it makes sense to, as you said, dot the I's, cross the T's, do all the research you need to, to make sure that if this is somebody who you feel like can come in and legitimately be a starting quarterback for you, maybe he needs a year of sitting in order to actually mature, and I don't mean like mature in a bad way, I just mean mature in the offense, right? You know, marinate, I guess is almost a better word, and then, you know, get to the point where he can start for you. Carson Wentz can at least go out there and play games, you know, if that's what you need. I, I like going and exploring the quarterback market with rookies for Washington, I do. I'm fascinated by the Carson Wentz experiment with Washington, though, because if he's ever going to turn it around, it's now. I can envision Ron Rivera sitting down with him and telling him in no uncertain terms, this is it. This is your last chance. You're not going to keep skipping around from team to team. Next year at this time, if you don't work out with us, you're done. You're clipboard guy at that point, and he may not have the ability from an ego standpoint to accept being clipboard guy it's very rare that anyone who was or fancied himself a franchise quarterback reduces himself to being a backup other than Joe Flacco I can't really think of a guy who was once highest paid quarterback in the NFL and Carson Wentz was once close to highest paid in the NFL that accepted voluntarily those three or four years on the back end of the career where he's clearly not the starter but he's getting a moderate and minuscule compared to what he was once making payday just to continue to be part of the game and my guess would be Carson Wentz based on everything we've seen and heard he would not be able to say I'm willing to be the backup and fully support the starter and submit to what my role is and accept it and be happy with it so this is it for him this is it it is up or out of the NFL for Carson Wentz this year but Washington does need to protect themselves because there's reason to think he's going to go out not up the Colts went down and over. No, just over. It's just yes. east. It's just due east. It's, uh, one time we drove back from the combine, and there's a long stretch on I-70 where you are going straight and east. If you have a navigator and everybody's got one now, it is just straight and it is just east. It is a straight line to Dayton from Indianapolis. So they go over, not down, but but anyway, I'm pretty sure, uh, but I'm pretty, no, I'm pretty sure it's east. southeast. Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm thinking of Dayton. It is southeast. What the hell? Yeah, How do I talk myself out of that? See? Dayton is the one that's in, due east. Well, and Columbus is due east because I've Columbus made that drive too, but Dayton, before. Dayton yeah. is more due east. Yes, but yeah, if you're talking about 70, like that, that goes to Columbus from Indianapolis. And then it goes, it goes Columbus, Indianapolis, and then it'll take you to St. Louis too. So Cincinnati is a little further south. Now, you're I've talking to the Ohio way. native here. I am too. I was born in Ohio. Did I ever tell you that? Oh. I told you that. I was born in Bel Air, Ohio. Yeah, okay. I once drove from West Virginia on I-70 all the way to California. And Why? I was in a co-op program when I was in college. I was in a co-op program at Chevron. There's a refinery in Northern California. And oh. I was working for four months. Then I come back to school for a semester. And then I go back. So in calendar year 1986, five years before you were born... I had spring and fall 
working, so I drove out in January, drove back in late December, had a car out there for eight months, and just left it with a friend for the summertime. So I have done the trip twice cross-country in a Ford Fairmont, not the regular Ford Fairmont, not the regular Ford Fairmont, but it was the Ford Fairmont Futura. Look it up, kids. Ooh. It was the high-end Fairmont. No, no, there, there, there's your average random Ford Fairmont, and then there is your Ford Fairmont Futura. Wrap yourself in luxury with a Ford Fairmont Futura, and it actually made the trip there and back somehow, some way. All right, anyway, anyway, five minutes after my stupid setup for this, the Colts went to Cincinnati to work out former Bearcat quarterback Desmond Ritter, and this isn't a surprise either. Matt right. Ryan is 37 going on 60, frankly. And uh, he made him older than he did the last time we talked about it. I know. He I gave know, him I'm 10 rounding more up. years. Next time he's going to be 80. He does look older than he is, doesn't he? He <laughs> yeah, really he does. does. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he's smoking cigarettes in his spare time or what, but he's not. He's aging like a president, frankly. So, um, anyway. Well, you um, play for the Falcons and lose a Super Bowl after you're a 28 3 You'd age, too. That's true. That's true. Uh, aging worse than a president from Georgia, a quarterback from Georgia. Jimmy Carter aged worse than anybody in those four years, and he's still alive. He's Is he still, still alive? alive? That's unbelievable. <laughs> Don't kill Jimmy Carter. <laughs> He is still alive. He and his wife are still alive. You don't remember the picture with the Bidens last year? When they looked like very, Oh, when very they were small. sitting on the Bidens' laps? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember that. This show's a little off the rails. Uh, yes, it is. What are you talking about? Desmond anyway, Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Private yeah. workout for the Colts. And smart for the Colts because 60-year-old yes. Matt Ryan may not have much football left in him, so you have to be ready for the next phase. And at some point, the Colts have to get off of this perpetual cycle of, hey, we had that veteran for a year, now let's go to the next one. Hey, we had that one for a year, let's go to the next one. And their team has been good enough that it doesn't justify making the move for a young guy that you would plug in right away. They're good enough. It's the, kind of the curse of being as good as they are. You don't draft a guy and expect him to run a team that's a playoff contender. So you let Desmond Ritter marinate or mature or both behind Matt Ryan, learn a thing or two, and become the quarterback in 2024. Nothing wrong with that. I I can get behind that. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that that would be a really good move. I You know, because they don't want to be in a situation like they were in last year where they have to run out and just go draft or excuse me go trade for somebody because philip rivers after one year is like nah i'm gone guys like that was fun but thanks i'm gonna go coach high school football and you know go be a dad to my 875 children so like i get why they're in this situation now and why they want to do something like this this makes totally good sense to me because the colts have a core that could be kept together for a while and i think when you've put together a roster as Chris Ballard has done, and you put together a team that is pretty darn competitive year in and year out, right? like they haven't necessarily had the playoff success, but they're still that competitive that they kind of are the QB away in some ways where, okay, you go out, you get a Matt Ryan, and now you go out and you get the next piece so that you're not just panicking if it just so happens that Matt Ryan decides, ah, I think I'm good after one year with the Colts. I, I like this, and I like them setting themselves up for the future. 
And we've been talking about quarterbacks that will be entering the NFL, a quarterback that we thought would be exiting the NFL but did not. There are ripple effects from the Tom Brady decision to unretire. It was just one day before he came back that someone had the winning bid of over $518,000 for the ball that was the final Tom Brady career touchdown pass, a long throw and catch to Mike Evans at the end of the playoff loss to the Rams right before the Bucks called the cover zero blitz that ultimately opened the door for the Rams to win the game. But there it is, if you're watching, and if you are, thank you very much. Mike Evans with the touchdown. And what he does there, watch the end, watch the end. Whoop, there it goes. And yeah. uh, that's just like he did with touchdown pass <laughs> number 600 in the regular season. The ball ends up in the stands, and it was auctioned for over $518,000. And there was a question after Tom Brady retired, what happens? And my position is, first of all, buyer beware. Anybody who was paying attention to the NFL knew that he would possibly come back. And I just yeah. thought the value of the ball was influenced by the possibility that he would come back. Like if we knew for sure he wasn't playing again, if, for example, he was dead and we knew there was no way he could come back and play barring a resurrection and with Tom Brady, I wouldn't rule it out. But if we knew there was no way he was playing again, then it's worth a higher amount. But, you know, it's part of the gamble. I'll pay $518,000 for this ball that potentially is going to be worth a lot less because he's going to come back. But now they agreed to void the auction. I would have never agreed, ever, to void the auction. I don't know why the buyer agreed. Well, I know why the buyer did. I don't know why the seller agreed to void the auction. Leland's issued a statement last night that both sides agreed to void it. And I'm no expert on auction law, and I thank God for that every night. But I can't imagine there isn't a strong element of caveat emptor, Latin for it's on you if you buy something when you know there's a chance that it may not be that thing that you thought it was because other events could happen. That's not a literal translation, but close enough. So I and, and people got mad at me today because I said good morning and better morning for the moron who paid $518,000 for what was Tom Brady's last touchdown pass the day before he unretired. How dare you call him a moron? Well, first of all, I don't know who the person is, but I think it's fair to say they're a moron. And they got a gift. They got the ultimate Hail Mary in being able to walk away from that $518,000. Miles, there is no way in hell I would have ever let that person off the hook. Because are you not paying attention to what's going on in the world? There's plenty of talk about Tom Brady coming back. Don't bet that he isn't. Don't buy that ball for $518,000. Anyway, rant over. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Christian illusions in that little rant there that you just had for Easter. You know, if somebody's trying to be topical, I guess you are. No, good job with that. Um, I don't know that I ever would pay. I mean, I don't have the kind of money to do it, but I don't know that I would ever pay like $500,000 for a, a football, like a touchdown ball. So, I mean, in that way, yeah, it's like, great. They get to avoid that. But also it's, you know, now you don't, you also don't have the memorabilia that you thought you would get. Right. So, I mean, you can still go and buy that playoff football. It's still, you know, a touchdown pass that could be Brady's last in the playoffs if they don't make it to the playoffs. It's still, it's still a Tom Brady touchdown football, but certainly it isn't worth um, as much as 500000 plus, you know, if that's the case. What, what is something that you would want, like a piece of football memorabilia that you would be like, man, I am throwing it down for that? I'd love to have a Super Bowl ring. I would love to own okay. a Super Bowl ring. So maybe one of these days, if the opportunity arises, if I can buy low 
then maybe I would buy a Super Bowl ring. I would love to own a Super Bowl ring. Or, or I could just walk away with one like someone once did uh, 15 years or so ago. Um, you know that story, don't you? You're familiar with that. No. Putin oh. stole Robert Kraft's ring. Oh, Putin yes, yes, yes. Just no, walked no. Him. That's the ultimate boss move. Now you're trying to be hey, really topical. Here's my ring. Here's my ring. Oh, thank you very much. Bye. Just leave with it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's great. Put the onus on them to say, excuse me, that's my Super Bowl ring you're walking away with. I just don't know what you would do. Like, with that football, you pay 518000 What do, What do you do? You get a case, obviously. Where do you put it? Does it go on the mantle? Does it go on a coffee table? Do you build mm-hmm. a shrine to it? Do you have, like, a special case? <laughs> are, there, are there, like, lasers protecting it like a Mission Impossible movie? Like, what do you <laughs> do with that? And is it just for the benefit of you to sit there and say, ah, oh, there's Tom Brady's? final nfl touchdown pass and i own it is it for your satisfaction is it to impress friends or relatives is it to get dates like are women impressed by that like hey babe you want to come home and see my final tom brady touchdown pass i I don't know what the motivation is what's the motivation to spend and that's that's the other reason why i have no sympathy for the person who agreed to pay for it because if they can pay five hundred eighteen thousand dollars for a tom brady touchdown pass they they got money to burn. They're not going to miss the 518000 If you can convert that much of your savings into football that sits on shelf for you to look at from time to time, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can be on the wrong side of a bad transaction. I guess that's true, yeah. You can be. You probably do have a lot of money to burn, and, you know, you just want it. I mean, sometimes people just want things. Like, there's that commercial now, and I don't remember what travel site it is, but it's like, are you going to regret the things you didn't buy or the places you didn't go? I'm like, I regret things I didn't buy all the time. I wish I had gone to, like, concerts. I wish I had bought, you know, certain things. Uh, Like a keyboard at one point, I wish I'd bought that. Wish I'd gotten a different car. I I regret things I don't buy all the time. So maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I I know I can buy this and I want to buy this, so I'm going to buy it. And more power to you, you know, if you want to do that. I force myself to never regret anything, and there have been occasions where I have bought something that I deep down regretted, but I refuse to let myself regret it. And so you end up wearing that shirt that doesn't really fit or you end up listening to that album that you really don't like, hoping hoping that if you force yourself to listen to it enough times, you'll decide you like it and not think you made a bad purchase, whatever the case may be. I'm very good at convincing myself not to regret things. All right. I think I regret this. You show sure, Mike? Back. I don't know. Let's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you that Mike Malarkey question. Do you have any regrets? Uh, oh, wow. Well, if you put it that way. <laughs> That guy that I killed that night back in 1993, yeah, I, I see that. That I, I am never going to omit that question from any interview I ever did again. Who would have known that a question as simple as "Do you have any regrets?" could unlock such truths? All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, yeah. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are both facing uncertain futures. We're going to discuss how they can influence one another next when this Friday edition of CFPPM continues right after this. So they have no regrets of my time in Cleveland of what I tried to give to that place. Right. And true Clevelanders and true Browns fans know know that. And that's why I can walk away from the whole situation feeling like I I did it. And now do you feel like do you feel like the way the office has handled it 
has been disrespectful to you given what's given where you came in and where they are now and uh, I mean yeah the respect thing is like it, it's all it's all going to be like a personal opinion yeah like, and I don't like no I, I feel disrespected 100% mm-hmm. because I was told one thing and they completed another that's what I'm in the middle of right now and you know what okay I got I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years a bunch of different coordinators I've had talk about the highs they always come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always come back. <laughs> always come yeah. back. Well, my day is now complete. Both I got to hear uh, some of the expert questioning of Mike Period, and also I got to see the dog. I'd love to know the dog's name, and I'd love to see that dog walk. It occurred to me the legs are too small for the rest of the body. I have a feeling things are dragging when that dog tries to walk. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> you you let me speechless. Say I'm what? Sorry. Things? I know, but like, you, I like what? What am I supposed to say to that? That was like the worst bump set. Like, I'm not gonna spike that. I'm looking at that, and the ball is falling to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I know yes, what you're is. saying. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, no, <laughs> All right. Uh, something that I've been kicking around. Shereen and I talked about it yesterday. I wrote about it this morning. I think this is real. And I say it because when Kyler Murray was with us for an interview early 2019 at the Super Bowl, Sims had to go interview Dak Prescott, I think. So I I talked to Kyler Murray one-on-one. He had his phone, and Baker Mayfield kept calling him. Like three times Baker Mayfield called him in a 10-minute stretch. They're good friends. They've got kind of that competitive thing. They were teammates. They each have the Heisman Trophy. They were each the first overall pick. They played at Oklahoma. They're really good friends. And I have to think that what Baker Mayfield experienced in Cleveland this past year is influencing Kyler Murray's effort to try to push things to a head with the Cardinals. Because, look, Baker Mayfield, I believe, and the Browns were you know, roughly $10 million apart on value of an ex-contract. He was at 40, Browns were at 30. That's my gut feeling. So he goes forward with the 2021 season, and we see what happens afterward. He injures his shoulder week two. The season's a disaster, and now he's done. And how does Kyler Murray not look at that and say, you know, I want a lot more than they'll pay me. They'd like to kick the can for a year. If I get injured week two and my entire season is affected by it, they may decide to make a move for somebody else after 2022, and I'm out, just like Baker. So I want to protect myself against that. Baker's career has been thrown off the rails by the fact that the Browns refused to give him a contract at a time when he was deserving of one. So absolutely, Kyler Murray should be talking to Baker Mayfield, learning from Baker Mayfield's experience, and that should influence how he deals with the Cardinals this year. I think that he would be smart to learn from what Baker Mayfield went through, but that doesn't mean that the Cardinals are going to acquiesce to what it is that he wants, right? And so right now, you know, Kyler Murray and his agent, are trying to force the Cardinals into making this a big deal at a time where it usually is not a big deal for quarterbacks coming off their rookie contracts, you know, and trying to get their second contract. I I think we can say that Kyler Murray has earned the second contract at this point, right? You might not have wanted to say that about Baker Mayfield last year, frankly, and I would have said that about Baker Mayfield last year. I probably did say it about Baker Mayfield last year. But I think with Kyler Murray, there's a difference in performance and there's a different level that we've seen from him. Now, 
we have to see him continue to get better as the season goes on and not have those drop-offs like we've seen in the last couple of years, particularly this year, but this year we didn't have DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the season. So how you know great is somebody going to be if they're not going to have one of the top three wide receivers in the entire National Football League? I don't know. But I think what's interesting about this is just the timing of it all, right? If you're Arizona, you're trying to get ready for the draft. You're trying to concentrate on the draft. And I saw Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic tweeted this yesterday. And you look at when the second contracts were done for quarterbacks entering their fourth year. So you have Patrick Mahomes, that deal got done in July. Josh Allen, that deal was done in August. Carson Wentz, the deal was done in June. Jared Goff, the deal was done in September, just before the start of the regular season. So that's where I'm saying that if I'm Arizona, you're probably like, yeah, we're going to deal with this, but not right now, because right now we're trying to deal with the draft. But if you're Kyler Murray and you want to make sure that you have this money or you get sent somewhere else in a trade, which I don't think Arizona would trade him, but in theory, if you want to make sure that you're there before the depth charts are set, that's why you're doing this now. So I understand what ha what's going on from both sides of this, but I, I don't know how Kyler Murray is going to get exactly what he wants at this point, though. The tweet that you referenced from Kent Summers oozed, in my opinion, with the idea that someone from the team sent it to him and asked him to please make that point. Yes. Right? Doesn't it, yes. doesn't it feel like Fair. that? Sorry, Kent. Yes. Sorry, Kent. I know we're not allowed. It's frowned upon in this establishment well, to guess. But it, it we, I've even, been it there. It might not have even been that. Yeah, I mean, I have to. But it, couldn't, it might not have even been, hey, like, point this out. Or it could just be like, hey, you know, when we were looking at this stuff, like, there's precedent for when rookie contracts get done. And it's like, and look, it was this, 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 this. And Kent's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. And then Kent tweets it out. You don't yeah. necessarily even, it can be as simple as my drawstring phrase, oh, won't someone rid me of this meddlesome priest? But, but there's a difference here. In those situations, there was no animosity. There was no urgency. Right. There, there, there was no possible leaking by someone very high up in the organization of Chris Mortensen, this report that I still have a problem with. I don't like the anonymous trafficking in harsh opinion for someone when there's clearly two sides to it. I mean, when you go public with the idea that they're saying he's self-centered and finger-pointing and immature, I mean, come on, does everybody in his life think that? Is that a universally held belief? And I think Chris Mortensen only does that if it's coming from someone like Michael Bidwell. So there is dysfunction between the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And I think that the Cardinals' way of pushing back against what Murray wants is to spread some of this crap in the hopes of knocking his demands down. And that didn't work. So they do have an awkward relationship right now. And there's a strategic reason for Eric Burkhart to want to know, are we going to get this done? Because if we're not going to get this done, I want to potentially be traded. I want to. And you know what? Peter King and I talked about this today, Miles, and I don't think this is going to happen because I doubt that it would be kept quiet. But why not do what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill? Let Eric Burkhart go out and see if he can find someone who will pay Kyler Murray what he wants. Because there's a chance he won't. There's a chance that he won't find a team that's going to give him $55 million a year or whatever he's looking for. And you have to couple that with giving the Cardinals the kind of draft haul that they're looking for. I would call his bluff. The only problem is there's no way it's going to be kept quiet because it's right. already too loud. With, with Tyree Kill, we had no idea it was even happening. We had no idea anything like that was going on. With this, it would be impossible in part because if I was the Cardinals, I would assume Eric Burkhart's going to tell somebody about it in order to generate the highest possible trade demand.
well, he might not just tell somebody. He might write, you know, a dissertation and post Manifesto. it on the Twitter so we can't read yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, but I also think that somebody would do right if you're the Carolina Panthers, you'd do it, right? If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you probably do it. Then, you know, you need to get somebody to help you compete. I don't think the Steelers trade. would. Well, really? Yeah, I don't think the Steelers would want a quarterback who's under six feet tall. I just don't think okay. they'd want that. I just that's and that's that's the other reality here. Sims has made this point. When you talk about a guy like Kyler Murray, like Aaron Rodgers, he's available. You're going to consider throwing overboard any quarterback you have if you can get Aaron yes. Rodgers. Kyler Murray, there's going to be a, a significant subset of the league that says no thanks. That's why this exercise could be useful in getting Kyler Murray to set his right expectations for his next contract because there may not be another team out there that will pay him what he wants, especially if they have to give the Cardinals what they would want in order to make a trade happen, even if they would even consider doing it. And that's a big if. But that's what Burkhart's trying to agitate for without asking for a trade. He's trying to speak it into existence. Well, look at him run. He's just incredible. I love Kyler Murray. All it takes is one, man. And I think that there would be one. I think that there would be one to do it. I I do. Because there are enough teams out there that don't have a quarterback situation that is completely settled that they would want to at least explore this. So, I mean, and if you're the Cardinals, then what do you do? I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I'm, I understand like where they're coming from with this and why they want to get it done so soon. But I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't know like what, if you're the Cardinals, what's your real incentive other than like making them be quiet? Because you, if you intend to give Kyler Murray another contract, then that's one thing, right? And from by all accounts, they intend to do it. They just don't want to do it right now when they're working on other things. And I guess, you know, if, but th- why, you're not going to trade them either. So uh, they can, I don't know. They can, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can get ready for the draft they and they can, can but, the contract. Yeah, they can. You they can, can. You can. They can do it. I know. It shouldn't I, be that hard. It I shouldn't be that hard to. to negotiate a contract for Kyler Murray. The problem is bridging the gap. And I think that Burkhart wants to know if the gap is there. If we're $15 million a year apart – Let's just come up with some other strategy. But but you're right. The Cardinals don't have to do anything. And no. Murray's nuclear option, frankly, is to just say, I'm not going to talk to you about a contract. I'm going to put in my four years, my fifth-year option, two tags, and then I'm gone. I'm never going to sign a second contract. He could do that. That's kind of what Lamar Jackson or, is doing without saying it. Yes. Or he could go play baseball. He could do that, too. I, I like to toy around with that, but I don't think he would do it because, you I know, then you go wouldn't. live the, the minor league life. And, yeah, but he could. If, if, no. and look, if, okay, there have been multiple people who have suggested, and Peter King said this weeks ago, Kyler Murray's not playing for $5.5 million this year. Okay, fine. Yes. So if the Cardinals aren't going to give him a contract that he wants, they'd give him a contract, but not the one he wants. If he decides to hold out the whole year and he's going to have to give back $5.8 million in signing bonus money. He would lose $4.5 million on the third day of training camp. That's the bulk of his compensation this year. Just go play baseball. Just go enter the farm system. That's his ultimate move. I'm going to go mm-hmm. play baseball. Maybe he wants to know before the draft if they're going to sign him because if he's going to go play baseball, he just as soon go do it now. That is the boss move for Kyler Murray. Ah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if he does that, then he can start playing now and he'd be playing in spring ball. You know, he gets some aid at bats and he needs to get that timing right with the bat and everything. So, I mean, he was a first round pick, but that still means you got to go play, you know, in Timbuktu somewhere if you're a minor league baseball player. 
Question from NFL Watch 2020. Would Kyler Murray fetch as much as Russell Wilson in a trade? Look, I probably no. not. Probably not because the Broncos didn't have to pay him on the way through the door. The Broncos are able to kick that can for a year if they want to. Now, at some point, they're going to have to, but it wasn't part of this transaction. I think that's why the Seahawks traded him when they did. They were able to trade him without the new team, paying him then and there. So the Broncos have a year where they can kind of let the market continue to settle, and it's not settling. It's going up and up. But you can at least see what you have in Russell Wilson, and you can set a fair value. You don't have to do it right now. With Murray, you have to do it right now. So I think it makes it harder to get the same trade package. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And also, I mean, Russell Wilson has been more consistent, been at the top of the league for longer. You know, you don't, I mean, and you can say like the last half of 2020 and 2021, Russell Wilson was not necessarily that same elite quarterback that we've seen in the past. But I think the track record of success that you have with Russell Wilson also lets you command as much as the Seahawks commanded in that trade. Uh, One other point to make to Baker Mayfield, who said in the You Never Know podcast with Mike Period and his dog, um, he said that Seattle's the most likely destination. I guess Albert Breer tweeted that Baker Mayfield would be interested in the Carolina Panthers. The response to that from Panthers receiver Robbie Anderson was not positive. Anderson, and I can't, I, you know what, I can't see. Oh, Ian Rappaport's the one that yeah, said the most likely landing spot is the Carolina Panthers, not Breer. Uh, Robbie Anderson doesn't like it, bottom line. I'd need a magnifying glass to see it. He said no, and then somebody responded, and he said facts. So Robbie Anderson doesn't want Baker Mayfield. And, and, and you, know, you know what that tells me? Word gets around among players that Baker Mayfield's a pain in the ass. And, and again, mm-hmm. we're still waiting for a single teammate to speak out on behalf of Baker Mayfield as to how the Browns disrespected him or wronged him in some way. Yep, exactly. That's one of these things where when Baker Mayfield was talking about his leadership and how he has to get better at certain elements and like motivating guys and all that, like there, that, this is why, right? When you see somebody like Robbie Anderson, who's played with Sam Darnold and Bryce Petty and Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, like quarterbacks that, ostensibly Baker Mayfield has a higher ceiling then like if Robbie Anderson doesn't want that guy I think that tells you something about what Baker Mayfield's reputation is around the league and why he's got to rehab that you know I mean we talked about how the Colts decided to go after Matt Ryan who's 37 going on 80 instead of somebody who is like Baker Mayfield who's what 27 and entering the prime of his career there are reasons for that so it's not just all about performance with Baker Mayfield there's a lot of things I think that he's got to get better at um absolutely and uh, I don't think the Panthers should want Baker Mayfield I, I they have they have cycled through the the frog kissing phase, they just need to draft a guy and hope he can become a franchise quarterback. Like acquiring a guy who didn't get it done somewhere else, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darnold, that's not working for the Panthers. Baker Mayfield is not going to work. So so they're going to have two of the top three draft picks from 2018, paying them both $18.8 million. That would be a hell of a reality show, wouldn't it? I would fun. want Hard Knocks to go straight to Carolina. We got Mayfield, we got Darnold. They got the same salary. It's both fully guaranteed. One of them's going to be the starter, and one isn't. Let's go have a competition and see who can. Pro- I, that's just not what David Tepper needs to be looking for, right? We need to take a break. Uh, we'll have more PFTPM right after this.
look at the uh, NFL news and information cycle during the show. We're ready to react in real time to things we see. And I saw something on Twitter. Now, I didn't pass it along, so we don't get to show you the clip, but I've watched it. I've listened to it. Debo Samuel, who clearly is in some sort of a contract situation with the 49ers, as evidenced by his recent removal of all reference to the 49ers from his social media pages. He said in a video that he shot apparently in his car that he's getting death threats and racist comments over his contract situation. He says it doesn't bother me. It's no big deal. Well, it bothers me. It bothers me. And it's amazing to me how fans believe that they're entitled to say this kind of shit to people. I'm sorry I said it. It really bothers me that they think they can do it. And I don't know why death threats aren't investigated when they're made on social media the same way that they'd be investigated if they were made to someone's face or sent in a letter to their home. It's like when it happens on social media, and I assume that's where it's happening, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, no big deal. Surely they can find out who it was. Surely they could if they wanted to know who was making these threats. Remember there was a guy who was a gambler and he was making death threats toward players and toward family members because he was mad that they weren't winning or should have been winning or not winning by enough or whatever it was. He went to jail for that. I just wish that it was a knee-jerk reaction that those crimes would be investigated because if they were, every time they happened, the death threats would stop quickly. Yes, they would, and they should stop. I mean, you know, we talked yesterday or whenever it was that I was last on the show about Baker Mayfield and how he said he wishes he could go and boo somebody at their work cubicle. That's one thing, right? When you're at a stadium and you're booing, that's one thing. It's a totally separate issue when you are sitting on your phone or at your computer or on your tablet or whatever it happens to be, and you decide that you have the audacity and that you have the right to send some sort of death threat or some sort of racist hate speech to a football player for playing a football game, right? It's one thing to react with a boo in the crowd. It's another to go out of your way to say that somebody should die or send some sort of death threat to a person. It's ridiculous and it's wrong and it should never ever happen. And the fact that Debo Samuel can let it roll off his back, that's one thing, but we don't all have to do it. And so I agree with you, Mike. It should not just be something that we just let go, that people act this inappropriately and they do it because they're behind the lens of like an egg on Twitter. It's ridiculous. And they're behind the team. They root for the laundry. That's the attitude that fans have. That's the attitude I'm hoping that that at least some fans will take a closer look at. It's one of the themes of Playmakers. We just, as fans, line up behind the billionaires in any squabble with the players. And we get mad at the players. We assume they are the ones who are being unreasonable. What if it's the 49ers who are being unreasonable with Debo Samuel? But the player is the one who is painted as greedy. The player is the one who is painted as being in the wrong. And he's the one that's going out there and playing with reckless abandon to entertain those same fans. It's distressing. And this isn't specific to 49ers fans because there are people like this rooting for every team. Every team. This happens. You put any other name in a situation like that, and there will be a reaction by the fans because the fans want to know that that guy is going to be there and he's going to pipe down and he's going to be happy with what he gets and he's not going to cause any trouble and he's going to entertain me and he's going to help my team win. And it's disgusting, frankly, and people need 
to realize that that is not appropriate behavior, either as to the racist comments or as to the death threats. And I wish that those people would get exposed. I wish they would get prosecuted where prosecution is applicable. And that is the way to get people to think twice before they do this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, very briefly, Matt Groh, who's now running player personnel for the Patriots, speaking of receivers, and they could have had Debo Samuel in 2019. They took and killed Harry instead. Oops. He said today you have to be proactive about getting impactful receivers. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You got to be proactive whether you're drafting them, whether you're trading for them, whether you're signing them. And with the Patriots, Miles, I keep coming back to the fundamental question of whether or not they are failing to draft the right receivers or whether they are failing to develop the right receivers. And I think it's plausible to wonder whether or not Bill Belichick just has no patience for a young receiver who gets confused by an assignment, gets confused by the offense, gets confused about where he's supposed to line up and just says, get this guy the hell out of here and get me, get me 83. He's, he's been around. He knows what we expect. And so you never truly get the chance to develop. You're always on pins and needles because if you don't fit the Patriot way right away, you're, you're lost and it's over. And I feel like that may be one of the reasons why these young receivers, for the most part, just don't work out in New England. Well, it's interesting because we've seen this now for a long, long, long time. Like, this is not anything new that the Patriots can't really develop their own receivers. Uh, they, there are very few that have really been drafted and that have worked out in Bill Belichick's long tenure. So maybe Grow will be able to help that out. You know, we'll see in the next couple of years. But I also think that, there's something to the thought process when we've seen guys like Justin Jefferson, like Jamar Chase, and I know that they're special. You can look at T. Higgins too, right? Some guys who come in and they're productive really, really quickly in whatever offense they're in. And Cooper Cup too. I mean, my gosh, in 2017, he came in as a third round pick and he was great. So you can figure out how to draft the right guys, but it could be a combination of both, right? Like they're picking the wrong guys and then they're also not developing them in the way that they need to be developed. So we'll, we'll see if it changes, but at least they've got somebody in Devontae Parker now who can help them along and help Mac Jones along going into his second year. All right, we're going to have a little fun here. As we wrap up this Friday edition of PFTPM, not that we otherwise don't have fun every oh, We've had a lot of fun show. today. We're yeah. here to amuse, inform, and entertain you. Recently, I pointed out that the folks at ProFootballReference.com, who do a fine job, and that's the yes. only place I go to get my stats. The NFL.com stats sections, when you try, they, it, it stinks now. They changed it a few years ago, and it's almost like they tried to make it as bad as they can. I go to ProFootballReference.com, Pro-Football-Reference.com, type in the player name and get everything that I need. The one th- And I feel like they're messing with us here because they have nicknames for players. And these are nicknames of which I have never heard. For most players. For example, <laughs> yeah. we were talking about Keanu Neal last week. His nickname is The Matrix. I have never heard of Keanu Neal referred to as The Matrix by anyone. And there are countless examples. So today's game. Today's game. Thank you very much. So that's that's a movie you've seen because it was not made in the 1980s. Exactly. Today's game. We've got some pro football reference nicknames. And we're going to have to guess who they are. And I'm looking oh through them now, and I have—I only know one because I've made fun of it before. Let's start with the asterisk. Who, Miles, is the asterisk? Oh, boy. I don't know. Star Latule? Because he's got, like, a star and an asterisk. He's kind of a star. That's, that's not a bad guess. Yeah. I think it would be the guy that 
is like the exception. The guy who is, he's an he's like a walking asterisk. I but I there's I've never heard of anyone called the asterisk. I've never no, right. anywhere, anytime, any place. All right, tell us who it is. Who is the who is the asterisk? What? <laughs> Where in the world does that come from? He's the ast. He's Mr. Unlimited. He's not the uh, asterisk. Man. I have yeah, never man. heard Russell Wilson referred to as asterisk. Maybe asked something else by opponents, but not asterisk. Oh, my gosh. How about the Grim Reaper? Who's the Grim Reaper? I think that, well, it should be Patrick Mahomes. I hope it's Patrick Mahomes. I have no, I have absolutely no idea who the Grim Reaper is. You could, you could, I guess, come up with different Ooh, guys. There we go. There it is. How did you know that? Because uh, Andy Reid, you know, when oh, uh, he has referred to him as the Reaper. Yeah, right. he, he gave it to him. He, you know, when I know the grim, next one called the Grim Reaper. I know the next one, the Fortress. Who's the Fortress? I know this one. Uh, this this one, I don't know. I mean, I would assume it's some sort of defensive lineman or right. If you're a fortress, it's, like you're big. Nope. nope. No. Dak Prescott. I only know it's Dak Prescott what? because I have noticed it in the past and asked myself, how in the hell is Dak Prescott's nickname the fortress? What does but that, that mean? Is the fortress. I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, showcase. Who's Showcase? Case Keenum. That would make sense. Who? What other? There's plenty uh, of other cases out there, though. Aren't there other I don't cases? Know. Well, Case All right, let's see who it is. I'm not even going to guess. guess. I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll agree with Miles. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Casey Hayward. Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But uh, I've still yeah. never heard it. How have we never I heard it? Gillylock. Who's Gillylock? I'm not even going to try that one. I have no idea who Gillylock is. Drew Lock. Uh, Gillylock. Let's see. Let's see. I want to get through all these. So we're gonna we're gonna dispense with the drum. Oh. No, but but we're, we're uh, Gilly Gilly Lock Gilly Lock still all right. Uh, Maniac, who's Maniac? Uh, I don't Maniac. know, but I bet he's dancing like he never danced before. You know that movie came out like uh, forty years ago today or something like that. Thanks to Rex Chapman. Oh, I've actually heard that, that one. I've, heard, I've actually heard Darius. Darius haven't heard that one. Who's Mr. Perfect? Jared Goff. I Let's know that see. because I used to look at Jared Goff's. Yeah. I used to look at that really? reference page a lot. I have no perfect idea sized. why he's Mr. Perfect, but that's weird. Perfect, si- perfect sized hands if you're a baby doll. Uh, the right. general. Who's the general? John McClain. Well, that is cat. true. I don't think that's him, though. Who is it? No. Let's see. Well, who's I the general? Know. The general. Josh I've Allen. never. Get out of here with that pro football reference. I think they're messing with us. Purple Jesus. I thought that was Russell. No, Purple Jesus is uh, Justin Adrian Jefferson? Peterson. Adrian Peterson oh. was Purple Jesus. Is it Adrian Peterson? Let's see. It should be oh, Adrian Peterson. Hey, I knew two of them. There you Prince go. Aladdin. Who's Prince Your Aladdin? Oh, Prince Aladdin. Prince Aladdin. Jesus. I, I know. I know. You know, there's a great Johnny Cash cover of my own personal Jesus. Excellent Johnny Cash cover of all people. Johnny Cash really? covered my own personal Jesus. Um, Prince Aladdin. I know who Prince Aladdin is. Who is that? I don't and he's, know. And he's a guy that if I had three wishes and I was a 49ers fan, it would be for him to disappear, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> in his 20-million-plus 20, 20 salary? Yeah. Three out of ten is not bad when these nicknames have been pulled out of someone's ass, quite frankly. On that note, yeah. have a great weekend. See you Monday. See ya.